0: We're involved in a series of messages called Recover, and I want to continue us in that theme this weekend, a very important uh, series of messages we're involved in, in a brand new year, the year 2021. It's hard to imagine that we're now into 2021. And as I was praying several weeks ago uh, about 2021, having come through and thinking about all that's happened in 2020 uh, to all of us, I was thinking about what is the word that God has for us for 2021? 2021. And the word that really resonated inside of me and the word that I'm sharing with you in these first couple of months of this new year is the word recover. We're talking about how do you and I experience recovery in our lives. Now the word recover is a very important word because it means to get back. It means to regain. It means to get back what has been lost from you or get back what has been forfeited by you. To get something back in your life that has gone away. And so recovery is a part of God's work that he wants to accomplish in your life. And every time that God brings recovery, as you see in Scripture, and as we're looking at in this series, every time God accomplishes a work of recovery in a person's life, He doesn't just bring your life back, He brings your life back to better. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes, that's the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it Abundantly, So Jesus says, I've come to recover for you the experience of life, not just any life, but an abundant kind of life in me. That's real recovery, not just getting things back or coming back to a place of health or strength, but it really means to come back to better. And I want to speak a word to you in your life. I believe that as we go through this next year and in the years to come, that God wants to do something in you and God will do something in you as you cooperate with him that will bring your life back to better. There's some things that God. God. God wants to see recovered in your life. Now, in this series, we're talking about the different principles that will lead us to recovery, because it doesn't just happen automatically. For us to experience the recovery that Jesus wants to bring to each of our lives, it might be a relationship, it might be in a situation of your finances, it might be in your health, it could be in a variety of areas of life where you need recovery. But for us to experience recovery in our lives, there's some things that we must do. There's some steps that we must take. There are some keys, we might say, that we must insert into the door of life and utilize for recovery to happen. We talked about uh, that first key being the key of repentance. And so we learn how to turn away from things that are contrary to God's Word and contrary to God's will, and we repent. That is, we do a 180. We come back to God. We make Him the priority of our lives. If you missed that message, I would really encourage you to go back and uh, take a look at it, listen to it. It's online there for you, free of charge, at church-redeemer.org, a great place to get some of those resources, and just look at what that concept of recovery really means, because recovery is, as I described a couple of weeks ago, it's it's the entrance ramp onto an experience of recovery. You will never get on the road to recovery without taking the entrance ramp called repentance. And then we talked about expectations. Last weekend we talked about the importance of having an expectation that God wants to do this work in your life. It's called faith. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. And so for us to experience recovery, we need to begin to build up our faith. And many times that's very difficult for some of us because we've gone through so many different and difficult things in life. We we don't want to be disappointed. And so we, we don't build our faith. We have no expectation for anything good to happen. I want to encourage you to have some expectation. God wants to do something good in your life. That good that He wants to do includes recovery. And so we repent, we turn back toward God where we've been away from God, we turn back to God, and then we actually expect God now based upon our repentance to do something in us. And I'm going to bring you today to the third key or the third principle of recovery. And that is the word commit or the concept of commitment. You'll never experience recovery without repentance, expectation of God, and then commitment. I'm going to talk about the various aspects of commitment today. But this is so vital, it's simple, but yet nevertheless tremendously vital to our recovery process. Let me share with you four things that you need to understand about commitment that leads to recovery. First of all, let's get really basic. Let's understand why commitment is important because we understand in Scripture that this whole idea of commitment starts with God Himself. He doesn't ask us to do something that He has not done Himself. God is committed to us. That's our first point. God is committed to us. Commitment is a very important and a very big part of the Bible. God operates through commitment. The first thing that we discover about God in in the Bible is that God is committed to us. Before God ever asks us to make a commitment to Him, He shows us commitment uh, in terms of how He responds and, and deals with each one of us. Let me show you several ways. I'll give you three ways that we see. There are many other ways that I could share with you this weekend, but let me share with you three ways that God has demonstrated His commitment to us. First of all, He demonstrates commitment to us by giving us Promises. This Bible that you and I have, these 66 books of the Bible, if you begin to study them and you really look at them in the, with the right frame of reference, the right theology of who God is, you'll know and notice that all through the pages of these 66 books, you're going to find a promise after a promise after a promise that God gives to us as His creation. God gives promises because of His goodness and love, but also because He wants us to know that He is committed to us. See, that's what a promise is. A promise is a commitment. If I make a promise to you, I'm committing to do something for you. I don't have to make promises to you, and therefore, I don't necessarily have to commit to do anything for you. But here is God. God says, I want you to know how committed I am to you. I'm going to actually give you a book that is full of promises, and every promise is a commitment on my part to fulfill in your life. Listen to Psalm 91, verse number 4. E God will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. Notice this statement. His faithful promises are your armor. God says, I want you to understand that I've given you promises, but they're faithful promises. The word faithful implies, speaks of commitment. He says, I'm standing behind them. When I say I'm going to do this in your life, it is my promise, my commitment that I will do it. The second way that God has demonstrates, demonstrated and demonstrates his commitment to us is by his son, Jesus Christ. Think about this for a moment. John three sixteen. Listen to what it says. For God loved the world so much. Let's stop there just for a moment. God loved the world that includes you and me. I've often heard heard uh, it, it it noted there that it's very appropriate for us to actually interject our name right there. Whatever your name is, God so loved put your name there. That's you. God so loved the world's people so much that he gave notice this I say commitment. When you give something, you're making a commitment to someone. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Here we see not only a promise but a promise that is actually found in the gift of Jesus Christ, God's Son, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life and abundant life. And then we also see God's commitment to us through his involvement in our lives, that God gets involved in your life. Every person that's watching right now, if you think back over your life and if you're very honest about your experiences in life, you'll have to say that there was some point and some time that you knew that God was at work in your life. It may not seem like it in the moment, but you look back later and say, you know, that wasn't a coincidence. That was not something that just happened. That was God being involved in my life. And in fact, every provision that you have in your life right now comes from God. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. God is involved in your life. Whether you see Him or not, He actually is involved with you, providing for you and working in your life. Matthew 6, 25 through 39, this is why I tell you not to worry about each, about every day. That's Jesus' words here. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothes. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Here it's describing the heavenly father's involvement in very practical ways in our lives. Understand this. God operates by and God operates through commitments. God demonstrates His love for us by His commitment to us. He is a God of commitment. Number two, the second thing that we must understand about commitment that leads to recovery is that God created us for commitment. Not only is God a God of commitment, but uh, He also created us so that we would learn something about and practice the same thing in our life called commitment. We work best, we live our lives best, our best lives when we live in the context of commitment. In fact, if you want to discover God's purpose for your life, you have to understand something about how God wired you when he created you. How did God wire humanity? Because uh, we, we have to understand how God made us so we understand how we function best. There's no better place to understand how God wired us and how God created us, then going back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 to this place called the Garden of Eden. That's the beginning story of humanity. That describes for us God's purpose for humanity, the beginning of time, the beginning of creation. Notice Genesis 2, 7 and 8. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. Now now down to verse 15. "'The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. "'But the Lord God warned him, "'You may freely eat the the fruit of every tree in the Garden, "'except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. "'If you eat this fruit, you are sure to die.'" Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and and closed up and closed up, the, closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and He brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone, and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman, because she was taken out of man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother, and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now you might say, Pastor, why did you read all that passage? Why was that so important? You're talking about commitment. But I would submit to you today, that if you will study the passage that I just read to you, you will find that it is filled up with, it is ribboned through with the concept of commitment. Everywhere you turn in this passage, you're going to find some aspect of a commitment that is being imparted to humanity. After completing the creation of the world, and now he creates man and brings man in, he now brings uh, Eve to join Adam, and there's this first union that has tremendous potential. And in this potential, this potential is going to require something. This relationship is not going to work between this man and this woman, Adam and Eve, without something that you and I understand in every relationship that is required that's called commitment. Adam and Eve had to be committed, committed to their relationship with each other. And then God put them in a garden, and He gave them a responsibility in the garden. He said, I want you to take care of this. Rule over the birds of the air and the fish in the sea. It's your job job to, to plant in this garden and to care for this garden. That's called commitment. So there was a commitment implied in the relationship between Adam and Eve for their relationship to work. There was the need for commitment. For the garden to be the place that it needed to be, they had to fulfill their commitment. And then God gave them a particular assignment. Work went along with taking care of the garden. I think all of us would understand. Work involves a commitment. And then most importantly, he told them don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can eat of all the other trees, but when you make the choice to withhold yourself from that tree and, uh, and obey my command, then you're making a commitment in your relationship with me. And so there was a relationship between Adam and Eve that required commitment. There was a relationship in the garden, a place where they had to be committed. There was a, a commitment to work that was required of them. And most importantly, they had to maintain a commitment in their relationship with God. And please notice this. Adam and Eve's future, listen closely, Adam and Eve's future would be determined by how they handled those four commitments. Those four areas of their life would determine their destiny. What they did with those commitments would determine where they ended up in the future. What do we learn from this? We learn at the very beginning of time, God created us to be people of commitment. And what you do with your commitments will determine the destiny of your life. If you do not handle commitment well, it's going to be revealed in certain aspects of a lost purpose and a lost destiny. Now, what happened with Adam and Eve? Well, we know the story. They eventually got to the place that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of evil. They disobeyed God. And so when they disobeyed God, they began to lose. They they violated the principle of commitment, commitment to God. And it cost them very much in their life. And they ended up in this dimension called sin. Now for you and me, here's the problem. We have this ongoing battle inside of us about commitment. There's a lot of people who have a really hard time with commitment. And so commitment, the struggle with commitment, works its way into our soul and our system and it affects our relationships and it affects our health because we're not functioning the way God designed for us to function. God created you and God created me for commitment. He wants us to learn how to walk in the commitments that are essential to our health and strength and vitality of living the abundant life that Jesus promised. Let's go to the third point today. First of all, God has demonstrated commitment to us. He says, I'm not going to ask you to do something I don't do. And then I created you when I put you in the, when I created mankind and I started with Adam and Eve in the garden. I showed them the value of commitment. I called them to commitment. And then here's the third thing. Making the right commitments is your pathway to recovery. You might say, you know, pastor, I haven't, haven't done such a good job with commitments in the past. Well, here's the good news. You can start today. When you start making the right commitments, it, it begins to put you on the pathway to recovery. Now, think about Adam and Eve. We, we don't even understand what they could have been had they maintained their commitments. They had this breakdown in commitment, and because of it, they missed God's highest and best. And we're never going to discover God's highest and best for our lives without being willing to commit to the things that God asks us to commit to. Let me give you three right commitments that you need to make in your life if you want to recover. And then in a few moments, I'll talk to us about how to go about doing that. But there are three right commitments that you need to make in your life if you're going to be healthy, if you're going to recover, if you're going to get back to better in your life. Number one, you need to make the right commitment because, I'll give you the reason why, because it positions you for God's healing in your life. Anytime that you and I make the right commitment, it is positioning us, For God to work and do the work that he wants to do in our lives. Think about it this way. If you want to get well and you go to the doctor. The doctor more than likely is going to give you some kind of prescription for health. He says I want you to take this regiment of medicine over the next so so many days. And I want you to get this much rest. And I want you to drink these fluids. He's going to give you a list of things that the doctor he or she wants you to do in your life. Now, your will, your ability to get well is often, in fact, usually connected to your willingness to be committed to do the things that have been asked of you. That brings healing in your life. A lot of people, when they, when they, try to recover their life, they don't understand the importance of being committed to those things that God asked them to be committed to. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm not going to take time to, to, to read it for you today, you can read it on your own, it's the story of a man by the name of Naaman. Naaman was a Syrian, he was a Syrian captain, captain very highly placed uh, pers- person in the Syrian uh, military, and he contracted this terrible disease called leprosy. And he, he knew that his life was over with until a, a young Israeli girl told him through his wife that there was a man of God in Israel that could help him find healing from Jehovah God, from Yahweh. And so ultimately he goes down to the house of a prophet by the name of Elisha. And Elisha sends through his servant a message to Naaman and says, I, I'm going to give you your prescription for healing. I want you to go to the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times." Now, after really fighting that decision to begin with, fighting that set of instructions to begin with, Naaman eventually goes to the Jordan River, and he does what the prophet tells him to do. He dips himself seven times in the water. Now, notice this. It wasn't the first time that healed him. It wasn't the second time. It wasn't the fifth time. It wasn't even the sixth time that healed him. It was only when he fulfilled the seventh time of dipping himself in the Jordan River, doing or being committed to doing exactly. Exactly what God asked him to do, that healing came to his life. There's a lot of lessons in that for you and me, that if we are going to have the right commitments in our life, it's a commitment that will position us for the healing of God in our life. And then second of all, right commitments root us for stability and growth. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to you be stable? Do you want to grow in the midst of all the instability in our world today and the instability often that we feel in our own lives? Would you like to have a more stable life? Would you like to have a life that is growing, that is moving forward, that is moving upward and deeper deeper in your life? Are you desiring that? I will tell you today that the way that you experience rootedness that leads to stability and growth in your life is to make sure that you're committed. See, commitment makes you grow. Think about Your relationships in life. Oftentimes when you're in a relationship, the natural tendency is for us to, uh, when things get hard or things get difficult, we want to run away from them. But in reality, it's staying tight with that commitment that allows us to adjust and make the changes that are necessary in our life. Psalm 92 verse 13 says, Planted in the house of God, we will flourish in the courts of our God planting brings flourishing in your life. And so the question is, are you willing to be planted? Then it creates for us a foundation for healthy living. People of character are people who understand and demonstrate commitment as a key part of their, their nature. They have learned to live based on commitment, not on emotion. Most people today live on emotion. I'm going to do what I do based upon what I feel. But the better way to live is not on what you feel, but on what you are committed to. Think about the disciples. When Jesus called his disciples to Himself. There were four men by the seashore of Galilee, and He comes walking along one day, and there's, there's Peter and Andrew and James and John, and Jesus says, come and follow Me. That is, make a commitment to follow Me, and I'm going to create for you a foundation of healthy living. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to bring you into something you could have never experienced in your life. And so salvation and restoration and recovery are always linked to commitment. It's where you find healing. It's where you find stability and growth. And it's also where you create a foundation for a healthy living.
1: Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make him the Lord of your life If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.